Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Can you open up your Bibles to Ruth chapter 4 and verse 16? Ruth chapter 4 and verse 16. And the Bible reads, And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the woman and the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Then turning over to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 1. 1 Samuel 16 and 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. He's provided a king among the sons of Jesse. We've already started on a different note. This isn't necessarily going to be your normal Father's Day message. But I believe God's given me a message for generations. Is that okay? This is a generational church. The church itself is generational. So I believe God is calling us to pay some attention to the generations of this church. I'm going to title this message, Continuing the Chain. Continuing the Chain. Could you put down your Bibles, please? And let's lift up our hands and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right now. Worship the one who calls you friend. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you will be done. Lord, we pray that your will would be done in this place. God, we're praying for fresh anointing, God. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated today. So if you've been in church in any length of time, you may know that the church loves metaphors. The church loves metaphors. Not only the church, but Jesus spoke in parables. What are parables? They're metaphors of what he was really trying to say. We use them a lot, and we use them like storms. The church loves to say that we're going through storms. We're always going through storms, and storms means trials. And giants, that's another one. We talk about we're facing giants all the time. Everything is a giant. You know, it could be, man, I stubbed my toe. God has got me up against a giant. The Lord is my shepherd. But we also use terms like mountains. Everything's a mountain to us. We make a, a mountain out of a molehill sometimes. But it seems that there's also another term that we use a lot, but we only seem to use it in its negative context, and that is chains. We use the term chains all the time in our lives in the church. We are always bound by chains, bound by chains of sin of addiction. We're always being captives to something. Satan's always using chains to bind us, to make us slaves. However, I want to ask you today, church, have you ever thought of the good that a chain can bring? 
of the goodness of your chain. A chain could be used to hold something together. A chain could be very useful in very many different ways. It can be used to hold structures together. If you're stuck, you can be pulled out with a chain. Now, you may be thinking, what's he talking about a chain on Father's Day? We're supposed to have a nice Father's Day message. Tell me about how God's my father. Let's sing good, good father, and let's go home. But I already stated, I'm not a dad, so I can't really preach to the dads. So we're already starting off at a different note today. <laughs> but we're going to get there. On February 2nd, 1778, Captain Thomas Matchin of the American Army had come up with a way to stop British ships from coming down the Hudson River and to protect Fortress West Point. We know what Fortress West Point is. It is uh, the Army Academy that is still going on today. We knew that if the British could make their way down the Hudson, they would be able to cut the country in half. They would be able to cut the Americans in half. They would be able to divide them. So Captain Matchin had this idea to stretch a giant chain across the Hudson River from Constitutional Island all the way to Fortress West Point. The chain was massive in size, at approximately weighing in at 75 tons. 75 tons. The building process was very specific by Captain Matchin. They were only to use American iron. They, they argue about where the iron came from, but they knew that it came from America. Each link was to be about two to three foot long. And they were also to weigh approximately 150 pounds each. Each link of that chain was two to three foot long, weighing in at 150 pounds. And a swivel would be inserted every 100 feet of chain. And a clevis was inserted for every 1,000 pounds of chain. To stretch across the Hudson River, there were 54 sections of this chain. And at the end of every section, they would have log rafts connected to the chain to keep the chain afloat. Each raft of logs was large enough to hold its own section of chain. The process was very particular. Captain Matchin commanded that the forgers would keep seven fires for forging and ten fires for welding for 24 hours a day. They couldn't stop until it was done. And they did this for eight weeks until the chain was completed. This process went on continually until they were finished. They took the chain and they would pull it to West Point. They started at Constitutional Island and made their way to West Point. Because Fortress West Point was the most important. Polish-born engineer that worked on the chain, Thaddeus Kosciuszko, was charged with building West Point. And he said, not to fire on British ships, but to defend the chain by assaults on land. He told his troops, don't worry about the ships that are coming, worry about the chain. Ships are going to come and go, but defend the chain. They named this chain the Great Chain. Clever namers. And switching from gears, I want to talk about Saul for a moment. 
Israel, at the time of Saul being appointed as king, was at a very critical point in history. The children of Israel were used to captivity. They were so used to someone telling them what to do, to being commanded on when to get up, when to go to bed, how to do their day. They were in their time of worry and distress because of their enemies. They were dealing with the Philistines, it seemed like, all the time. They were dealing with the Amalekites. They were just so wrapped up, and they just needed someone to give them some guidance. They wanted someone to tell them what to do again. It is very hard to break the mindset of a captive that has been set free because they're always fixated on someone needs to tell them what to do. So they wanted a king, the very first king of Israel, and they selected Saul, 1 Samuel 11 and 15, and all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So Saul was a good king to Israel, for a while anyway. 1 Samuel 12, verse number 1. And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that ye have said to me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here I am, witness against me before the Lord, and before his anointed, whose ox have I taken, or whose ass have I taken, or whom have I defrauded, whom I have oppressed, or whom whom hand have I received any bribe to bind my enemies therewith? And I will restore it to you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said unto them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. I'm so great. I'm so wonderful. I've done great things. You guys know anyone like that? So Saul was kind of bragging on how he was a great king, on how good he was at being their king. But as you and I know, that time would be short-lived, and it wouldn't last for very long. 1 Samuel 15 and 1, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that what Amalek did to Israel. How he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. The man of God had given King Saul the commandment, slay everything, let nothing live. Utterly destroy the Amalekites. Verse 7, And Saul smote the Amalekites from Hevalah until thou comest to shore that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. He should have killed him, but he left him alive. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them but everything that was vile and refused that they destroyed everything that Saul got to dictate that was good he kept but then he said I know God you told me that I should destroy everything but this kind of looks good so I'm going to keep it 
I'm going to keep it. I'll destroy the bad stuff. That sin, I'll get rid of. That evil stuff, I'll get rid of that. That's easy to do. But this stuff that I want to keep, let me, I'm going to keep that, God. So Saul went against what the Lord had commanded him to do because Saul thought he knew better than God. Verse 10, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him in a place, and it has gone about, and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this, this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? You say you did what? Lord told you to do, but why am I still listening to this? Why do I still hear things alive when God commanded you to destroy them? Samuel heard what Saul had done. So going, he went to the battlefield. He, He was going to the battlefield. Samuel should have heard nothing. He should have heard victory. That's all he should have heard. Yet he hears the bleeding of sheep and the lowing of the oxen. So Saul has not done what God had commanded him to do. Let's go down to verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. Not only did you not listen to God, but you did evil in the sight of the Lord. Saul, when did the voice and the leading of God take a back seat to you? When did the voice of God not become so important anymore? When did you decide that other things were more important than the voice of God? Maybe we need to ask ourselves this question today. When was it that God took a back seat in my life? When was it that other things started to take more precedent in my life? When was it that I thought, oh, this looked good, so I'm going to take care of that instead of listening to God? I want you to look to see what Samuel has to say in verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You parents hear me? This is going to be great for y'all. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Saul, you can say that you're doing it for righteousness sake. You can say you're being holy. You can say you're dressing right. You can say you're talking white. But if you're not obeying the word of God, you are rebellious. For to obey God is more important than giving him half-hearted sacrifices. Saul has now lost everything. He may still be king of Israel to the eyes of the people but to God he was no longer the king he lost that he lost God he was no longer the king he let title he lost that anointing you see in a chain if there is a bad link 
That link has to be taken out or the chain is not useful anymore. Saul was a bad link in the great chain. Why do you think the process in which each link had to be so long? That they had to focus on each and every link for 75 tons worth. Each link must be perfect. It must hold its own weight. It must be strong. It has to fit the right parameters. But God had another link to replace Saul. To replace the poor and broken link that Saul was. Going back to one of our opening scriptures, 1 Samuel 16 and 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him for reigning over Israel? Fill that horn with oil. Go, and I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. This is the moment. This is the replacement link in the great chain. Samuel was still dealing with the loss of a great friend in Saul, but God needed Samuel to move on. He needed Samuel to buck up and move on because there was a chain that had to be continued. He could not let the chain die with Samuel. Samuel could not be the end of the story because the story was not over. God had another plan. Samuel may not have felt like going on, but there is a man named Jesse in whom God has placed royalty in his lineage. 1 Samuel 16 and 4, And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peacefully? And he said, Peacefully. I come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. An interesting note is that when Samuel took Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice, David wasn't there. David was still in the field being a shepherd. But Jesse said, come on, sons, let's go, let's go with Samuel. Jesse did not call David to come in from the fields to help with the sacrifice. He wanted David to continue what he was doing. 1 Samuel 16 and 6, And it came to pass when they were come, and he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Eliab was a link connected to the chain of Jesse, and the link may have looked good to Samuel. However, it was not the one that God chose to continue the chain. Eliab was a great man of God. He still lives on to be a man of God, but it was not the link that God chose to be the next king. Verse number eight, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen him. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. All these links are not good enough. They don't meet the parameters. They don't meet the parameters of the maker for this great chain. You see, Jesse had a lot of faith in his sons. Jesse pushed his sons, pushed them, as would any father. Be used by God. Samuel, look at this son. Look at this son. Look at this son. Jesse was a good father, and he taught his children well. He taught them the ways of the Lord. We give Jesse a bad rap because he didn't let David come in. But Jesse was a good father. However, these sons weren't selected for kingship. Verse 11, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here 
all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. We're not going to stop. We're not going to move until I see this other link. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal a beautiful countenance. I don't know if you would say that about a teenager. And goodly to look at. He was okay. He was good. Yeah, whatever. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day on. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So now we see that David has been anointed to be the next king of Israel, even at this young age. But David did not step right into his kingship. That's an interesting note that you need to point out. David didn't walk right into the throne room and say, hey, y'all, 15-year-old king right here. I'm, I'm your boy now. You listen to me. That didn't happen. Saul was still the king at this point. He had the anointing of the king, just not the role of a king yet. So what did David have to do? He had to continue doing exactly what he was doing, being a shepherd. Verse Samuel 16, verse 17, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of his servants, and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning and playing, and with a mighty, a valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread, and a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David his sons unto Saul. And David came unto Saul, and Saul stood by, and, and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me. For he hath found favor in thy sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took the harp and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. David didn't step into kingship. He stepped into servanthood. So what did David have to do in the meantime? He had to serve the very one he was sent to replace. He served Saul, and he served him well. He didn't say, man, I'm supposed to be king. What am I doing playing the harp for this chump? What am I doing for this grumpy old man? No, he took delight in doing what he was doing. He took delight in playing for the king. But why was David unable to step right into his king's role as soon as he was anointed? Perhaps the link was not yet ready. Perhaps the chain of David was still being forged in fire. Perhaps he was still being welded just right. Perhaps the iron had to be lengthened just right. Perhaps David was not ready to be connected to the chain yet. Maybe he was still going through the cooling process of the hot iron. For the time of Saul was not made well. The link was faulty in Saul. The link in Saul was broken. So perhaps God was working on David just a little longer. Said this link was broken. I'm going to make sure this one does not break. This one's going to be strong. This one's going to be mighty. This one's going to continue. But look what happens in the very next chapter. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekiah in Emphasdamim. We know the story that's about to happen. We all know what happens next. And we see the battle between the Philistines and the Israels. In verse 10, 
And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. We're speaking of Goliath now. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Well, you're the king. You're not supposed to be afraid of anything. You're supposed to be anointed by God. You're supposed to be the one to lead us. You're supposed to be the one to take care of us. Why are you scared? Because the link had been broken. Next, we see that the first three sons of Jesse followed Saul into battle with the Philistine. A thing to note is that Jesse raised fighters. He raised the sons of fighters. So while his brothers are fighting the Philistines, while his kingdom was fighting the Philistines, the true king was still in the field, taking care of his sheep and getting ready to bring food to his older brothers. He was getting ready to be the grub hub of uh, Israel. 1 Samuel 17, 23. As he talked with them, behold, there came up a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard him. David heard him. We're going to skip down a couple of verses to 26. And David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of God. So David was kind of getting angry now. I would say at this time, David was kind of in the cooling process. He was about ready. And so he's getting mad. Who is this guy talking to the children of Israel this way? Who does he think he is getting to talk to me like that? Who does he think he is talking to my family like that? Who does he think he is talking to my friends like that? To my church like that? Who does he think he is? He was what we church folk like to call full of righteous indignation. He was angry. He was bent. He was tore up. Who is this guy bad-mouthing my people? Who is this guy think he is talking about my family? 1 Samuel 17, 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant, your boy, will go and fight this Philistine. I got this. Y'all are scared? I'll take it on. Going down to verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. This is the moment that God was ready for David to connect the link. This was the moment that he connected the great chain. You see, in an interesting to note, is that before that, before David walked out, Saul tried to give his armor to David. He said, here, here, take my, take my armor, take what I've got, take my sword, take my shield, whatever you got to do, just so I don't have to fight. A broken link does not fit on a good one. A broken anointing doesn't fit on God's anointing. A broken spirit does not fit on a man's holy anointed spirit. You see, for so long we've given Jesse a bad rap for not including David in the anointing that he should have been and he was later anointed with to be the new king. However, Jesse was a great father to David. David had every right to be mad at his father. Man, he didn't include me. What are you calling? I'm the next king. I was the one anointed. Why didn't you choose me? He could have had a victim mindset. There's some of us dealing with that today. Oh, why didn't he choose me? Pastor didn't shake my hand. I'm just facing a giant. I'm just facing a mountain. It's that victim mindset that David could have had. Perhaps you may be dealing with rejection today. 
David could have dealt with that. Oh, woe is me. But he didn't. Even through all of that, before Samuel ever showed up to the house of Jesse, we need to realize something. Jesse would tell David every day, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Before the anointing ever came, David knew who the Lord was. He knew his walk with God. He was preparing. Jesse didn't know that David would be the next king. He didn't know that he would face a Goliath, but he was preparing him every day. Every day he woke up, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord's going to take care of you. The Lord's going to provide you. No matter what you go through, David, the Lord's got you. No matter what you face, the Lord has got you. Even though you face the bear, he's got you. You face the lion, he's got you. You face the wolves, he's got you. So when David David began to face the giant. He knew, my father has told me that I can stand before him and stand in the name of the Lord and I'm going to be okay because I've had a father who's told me who I am, who has told me my purpose, and I know that if I stand in the name of the Lord, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, it looked like David could have been mad at his father, Jesse, but Jesse had a duty to David. You fathers, you have an, a duty to your children. He was to make sure that David was ready for when his moment came. He didn't know he would be a king. He didn't know he would face a giant. He didn't know he would bring the ark back to Israel. He didn't know he would do these right things. But he had to make sure he was the right length. He had to make sure he's the right weight. He had to be able to hold on to the other chains. He had to be able to hold on to that other 75 ton. He had to be hold on to the church, to hold on to the past generations, to hold on to future generations. David had to be just right. His welding had to be just right. Perhaps you feel like God isn't using you, but what if God's still molding you? What if God's still working on you? What if, what if God's still moving? You fathers, don't take your job lightly. This isn't just the fathers, this is to the mothers. Don't take your job lightly. Your job is to train your child in the way that they should go because you continue the chain of David. You continue the chain that was started by Jesse. You continue it today. You are the link of the great chain of the church. The great chain that has gone on for generations and generations. And so the Lord come nigh. It's still going on. The chain is still moving. The great chain of the church is still going on. And you're a part of it. We have been linked together. Fathers, mothers, train your children in the way so that they can link up to you. Your children are to link up to you. Prepare them for their moment so when the adversary comes, they are ready. David was now ready. Jesse had prepared David for this very moment. 1 Samuel 17 and 45. Then said David to the with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied this day. Will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand? You're mine, boy. And he said, I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give it unto our hands he said no matter what I'm facing no matter what I'm going through you'll chump change to my God my father has told me who I serve and who I am and what my purpose is and no matter what I face no matter what adversary I face I'm going to kill it I'm going to decapitate it I'm going to take his head and the fowl is going to feed on the carcass of the enemy that's kind of graphic y'all 
So what if the season that you're in right now is God preparing you for your giant? What if what you're facing right now is just a bear that David faced? David faced. That wasn't the end of the story for David. There was more for him. Well, all I'm doing is pray singing, and God's not really using me, and nothing's really happening. Well, all I'm doing is mowing the churchyard. All I'm doing is cleaning the bathrooms. All I'm doing. Before David stepped into his role, he was a servant. Don't mistake servanthood for a loss of anointing or a loss of kingship. Because are we not heirs to the throne? Are we not the children of the one true king that still lives? Are we not princes and princesses in the king? Do not get angry. those You young people, do not get angry whenever there is an elder trying to teach you. Because maybe they're still forging you. Maybe your parents are still trying to forge you. Making sure you're just right because you got to be strong enough to hold the chain. You elders, don't get mad at the young people if they're not ready. Keep working on them. Keep working on them. Keep working on your children. Keep working on them. Make sure they're the right length. Make sure they're the right weight so they can hold the weight of the church this is how the church goes on you are constantly being worked on why because when your giant comes be like David Jesse had trained David in the way he was to fight not by sword but by God David was told by his father that the enemy would come and that he wouldn't need to fight like the other soldiers he wouldn't need a coat of arms And he wouldn't need a sword. He would need the Lord. Ephesians 6 and 10. Put on the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt with the truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all taking the shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. What you need to realize The chain didn't look like a good idea to defend Fortress West Point. It didn't seem like a good idea. Why don't we just use cannons? That's worked before. We'll just destroy them when they take the current. But it worked. Stones didn't look like a good way to kill a giant. But it worked. Your God will dictate what you need for your moment. Your God will give you the tools that you need to have victory in that moment. You say, well... Saul said, take my armor, take my armor, take my sword. David said, my God's not needing me to have that for this moment. I don't need what you used for victory. I need what I'm going to use for victory. And that is the name of the Lord. You must be connected to the link before you as David was with Jesse. David was a good link because he was connected to his father. God used him greatly. You see, Jesse never knew that David would be the next king of Israel whenever he was growing up. He had no idea David would kill the Philistine and free Israel. He had no idea that David would one day bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the children of Israel. Jesse didn't know that that would happen, but that didn't stop him from sowing into his children. That didn't stop him from sowing into his son. That said, one day, it doesn't matter what you're going to face. You're going to be great. Something great is going to come out of you. I may not know what it is. 
is. I may not live to see the day, but I know something is coming out of you. Something is going to continue on. And through my dying breath, you are going to continue what I've started. And I know that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Even though I say that today, I'm going to know that you're going to continue on in the church. He prepared David anyway, even though he didn't know those things would happen. And David could only achieve these things because he had a father who was willing to teach him the ways of the Lord. He taught David how to be a king before the anointing ever came. Do not break the link of fathers and mothers. Do not cause the chain to break and have to reset because of you. God repented because of Saul. How does that make sense? He had to repent because the link had been broken and he had to reset it with David. When Saul failed and the chain was broken, God repented because he, it seemed like he had failed. How does the all-knowing, all-knowing God fail? How does he repent? Do not make God have to repent over you. Instead, be strong. Be a strong link so that the next generation can easily hook up to you. Don't make it hard for the next generation to link up to the church. Don't make it hard for the church to link up to the ongoing generation. Because we could get stuck in a mindset that says, God's only going to move in this way. God's only going to use me when I'm having a shield and a sword. He's only going to use me when I have an armor. But there is a David that says, I don't need the armor. I just need five smooth stones and a God that says, in my name you have victory. You see, we can get caught up in the ways that we fought our battles before. But God's saying, let's go further. Let's go further. Let's go further. Come on. This isn't where we're going to stop because we know today we do not fight with swords. We do not fight with shields, but we fight in the name of the Lord. Let us continue the chain. Speaking on the great chain again, as for the logs that the chain would rest on, this is all what if. What if that represents our pastor? and our spiritual leaders. How many of you, I want you to raise your hand, have rested on our pastor, called him in the middle of the night, and he has given you peace? been in the hospital with a family member, or even yourself, and pastor has been there and brought the peace of God with him? Called him in the middle of the night, worried with fear and anger, whatever, and pastor's been able to calm your fears. How many times have you leaned on him when the tides were rising? We need to realize that our pastor is the one that we need to hook up to so that we can float. He is the one that is keeping us afloat. It's through him that we connect. And we keep going on. You see, maybe it's because our pastor is floating so that he can see where we're going. So he can see above the waters. The tide may be high. You maybe feel like you're being stretched and maybe you're sinking in the water. It's just got to tighten the chain a little bit. Tighten the chain. He keeps our heads above the waters as he can float and see where we're going. Our pastor is our overseer anyway. He's seeing where we're going. He sees what lies ahead. So this asks the question, what is the chain being drawn to? The great chain was pulled towards West Point because that was the goal. Protect West Point. This may sound simple, but notice, a chain is no good 
when it's pushed. You ever tried pushing a chain? Just bunches up. A chain must be pulled for it to have purpose. A chain must be pulled. The church is being pulled. So what is pulling the great chain of the church? Jesus tells us this in John 12 and 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. The great chain of our church, the great chain of the church that has been connected for generations and generations is constantly being pulled towards God. God is the one who is pulling us towards him. Can you feel God pulling your heart? Can we lift up our hands right now and just feel the pulling of the master? Feel the pulling of God right now. Our pastor can see what lies ahead, and it's God. He is drawing us closer and closer to him every day until one day the chain will no longer be needed because we are with God. He is pulling the generations. He's pulling you fathers and mothers. He's pulling your children closer and closer to him. God is drawing the church closer. Just like the Polish engineer said, God's goal was not to destroy Satan, but is to defend the great chain of the church. It is to defend us. If he destroys Satan in the process, that's an added blessing. His only goal is to protect you. He wants to protect you and I. And in doing so, he has defeated Satan. He's pulling you, church. Can you feel the tug of God? Can you feel the pull of God on your heart? God is calling this generational church to be ready. You elders of the church, be a steady link that the young people can link up to. Be ready for them to link on to you so we can continue on. You young people, don't feel like you're not being used by God. Rest and know that you're being built for greatness. There is greatness inside of each and every one of you. Perhaps there's another King David. Perhaps there's another great chain. God saw the importance of great lineage. That is why Jesus is in the lineage of David. Jesus is in the lineage of Jesse. Romans 15 and 12. And again, Esaias saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. He's talking about Jesus. God wanted a strong chain to tie his son into. Jesus came in this world to die, not so that Satan would be defeated, but so that we could have eternal life. So he could pull us. So he could pull us. Can you stand right now? Can we just lift our hands? Can you feel the drawing of the master right now? Is he pulling the chain of the church? Every day we're pulling pulls closer and closer to him. God, I want to be a good link. Make me a link that is sturdy and ready. Don't let me lose from the generation beforehand. I don't want to be a link that doesn't connect to the generation beforehand. And God, if you tarry, don't let me be a link that misses the next you see, church, I truly believe that we are in the last days. Amen? With all that's going on, I believe the last days are in front of us. And if that be true, would we not want to be pulled by God? And if that is true, 
would we not want to be closer together and tighter together than any before? If you want to be the great link of the chain of the church, why don't we lift our hands right now and say, God, prepare me. God, make me a link that is worthy. Lord, I don't want to be a broken link. I don't want to be a link that messes up. We only want to talk about the negatives of the chain, but it is a chain that is continuing the church. You continue the chain from the oldest saint to the youngest child. You continue the chain of your fathers and your mothers have gone before you. You continue the chain of Jesse. You continue the chain of David. You continue the chain of our Lord, Jesus. And if you need any added to know that a chain can be great, Revelations 20, verse number 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. There's importance in the chains. There's importance in the chains. Oh God, I pray that I'm not be a link, be broken right now. Come on, let's worship the King right now. God, let me feel the pulling that you're leading us. God, let me feel your pulling right now. I want to be someone that is strong, that connects generations upon generations. Let me link up with my pastor, God. Let me not have worry. Let me not have fear, God. Let me be a link that is strong and let me feel your pulling right now, God. Come on, let's worship him right now. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.